Welcome to Breakfast with Tiffany Show. My name is Tiffany Rosdell and I am a Tokyo-based transformational lifestyle coach. In each episode of this podcast, I want to explore the positive transitions other people have made to, how they freed themselves from their struggles, what pushed them to overcome their difficulties, and how and why they felt like they could overcome. Breakfast with Tiffany Show is really all about the transitions everyone who wants to succeed makes and what they did to get there. As such, while the focus is on LGBTQ plus journeys, I want to share the stories of all people who have found their way to success. My hope is to have this platform for all of us to be together while listening to successful stories, amazing life experiences, inspirational journeys, as well as having good laughs and lots of smiles. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to something quite extraordinary. It's the Breakfast with Tiffany Show podcast. And now, it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to your host, Tiffany Rossdale. Hello to our lovely listeners out there. First off, we would love to extend our gratitude as our platform has been expanding with the love and support from our audience. We felt that this would be a great opportunity to announce that the Breakfast with Tiffany show is opening positions to all you creatives, artistic, and expressive individuals who would like to challenge themselves and learn what's it like to be a part of our podcast, our upcoming newsletter, and our YouTube channel where you get exclusive behind the scenes, grow your network, and gain experience in a space that values your well-being and goals. We have a diverse team with members from different backgrounds, skill sets, and ambitions who began as they enjoyed the content of what we do here. If this sounds like an experience you would love to try out, feel free to send us an email at breakfastwithtiffanyshow at outlook.com. Again, breakfastwithtiffanyshow at outlook.com. And we will also include that on our podcast show notes. And let us know who you are, why you are applying, and any questions you might have for us. We are eagerly waiting to hear from you and introduce you to our team. With lots of love from yours truly and the rest of the team of Breakfast with Tiffany Show. Another video that I recently saw from your blog is about uh, you shared a very powerful and deeply personal story about a night that you could it could have been your last. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a story that really resonates with me too. And I have the same similar experience many years ago when I was in LA. I want to share this story, but before I want to share this sure. story, would you like to share yours first? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it short because they can watch yes. the video and the video has a yes, lot of information. Exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I was in a in, in Long Beach and uh, it wasn't a trans night. Like there is a night for the trans folks to go and enjoy in a club. It was a gay club. I was dancing and there was a person who offered me a drink. You know, I was dancing and I was twirling me and I, I really enjoy when, you know, when, when guys come and make you dance and, you know, you're enjoying the evening. He was a decent person talking very nicely. It was 2.30 in the morning almost and uh, the bar was closing and I had to go home. So I got into my car and he came to me and said, hey, can I, can you drop me in the next parking lot? It's right there. Uh, I don't want to walk. It's two blocks away. And since he was dancing with me, he got me a drink and I said, sure, let's get into the car. He got into the car and I started driving and he started talking about threesome with his wife, with his girlfriend and me and all that. But what happened was when I parked, when I went to the parking lot and I uh, parked my car and I wanted him to get down, he put his hand on me. He put his hand between my thighs. He put his hand behind my back and he wanted to kiss me. And uh, what scared me at that moment is I felt like if he found out, there are lots of questions that kind of came into my mind. 
it wasn't a trans night what if he was drunk and he misunderstood me as a woman and he then found that i had a penis that was number 1 that was the one problem that i had the second thing is even if he knew that i was a trans woman if i have a penis he's going to get angry with me because it's going to question his sexuality it makes him feel like he's gay some people have that aversion when they meet trans folks and the third one was what if he doesn't just like me you know he wants to just rape me um no matter what genitalia i had and to me it felt like he was going for the third one which was you look attractive right now i'm going to rape you and he was so powerful his hand was like going there and i was dying i was suffocating and this guy was like really his hand was behind my back and i was tap holding the steering wheel and i was i'm begging him please get out and i told him i'm very tired today i to- i told all kinds of things to get him out of my car and one thing he told me was very powerful so he listened to me at the time and he said do you know how difficult it is for me to let you go right now mm. i was in his mercy i was so helpless and he just made me feel like i'm doing this for you i'm letting you go you have no power over me right now this is my decision and to me that was like oh my god he does control me he can do whatever he wants right now and i felt so scared and i was willing to say anything so i said okay i agree i'll do whatever you want but another day not today and he got down and he started following me for a couple of miles and he wanted to see if i've changed my mind but i went home crying that day because a lot of things could have happened that day i may have got raped i may have got murdered because he doesn't like me and nobody cares you know if you murder a trans person so that's when i started speaking up during the transgender day of remembrance how difficult it is and how many trans people get murdered there are mm-hmm. close to 4300 and or trans folks who've been murdered since 2008 to September 2022 4000 across the world a lot in brazil even in india i see the numbers are pretty huge even in um, america the numbers are huge so it's so important for us to think about our safety when we are trans folks because you're very vulnerable so when you have fun you always be in a group so i i do go to these bars i stop going for a while but i told my friends and they called me and i say you know what i'm going to come with you so a group of us like 10 of us or 5 of us go together and i make sure i'm with them though you know sometimes people come and approach you saying that can i dance with you and i'm i'll tell them that i can da- i'm okay dancing but don't do anything else <laughs> but you can't draw boundaries so sometimes i tell my friends that uh, let's all dance together with this guy <laughs> so we all go and dance around him and he's like eh, i'm not interested and he goes away so i've tried different techniques but uh, i want to hear your story too because this is not something which is very unique to me a lot of us have gone through these experiences which are not great but i i really want to hear your side of the story as well tiffany yeah thank you so much for that celia and th- those stories really breaks my heart because knowing that you survived that situation and and also knowing the fact that what you just said there's still many trans women get killed because of mm-hmm. this hate and um unacceptable like they don't accept us um yeah so uh, i'll share mine so this one it happened like a long time ago and it was a one night where i found myself in one of those after hours clubs surrounded by people who were all lost in the moment so we were all intoxicated and to some extent under the influence of drugs so um when we go to after hours parties you know <laughs> it is always associated with that crazy stuff going on i was really young like i was in my early 20s too mm-hmm. and that's when i met this guy who seemed to be very interested in me he was my type he was super tall he was blonde he was white he was the model type guy and we ended up back in my hotel room because i was staying in la for i think a week i oh. usually when i go to travel in in america like i stay for a week and then i'll go back to tokyo mm-hmm. and i just have fun in la 
or I mean in America. Mm-hmm. We ended up back in my hotel room and then things got really into intimate. And I was very nervous because during that time, I was still a pre-op, meaning mm-hmm. I still have my male genitalia. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a, a full op yet. And during that incident, and I didn't know how he would react mm-hmm. if he found out. Of course, at the same time, I didn't want to deceive him as well, right? So mm-hmm. eventually he started to push me and to get me undressed. And I knew that I couldn't keep the secret any longer. So mm-hmm. the moment I told him about my gender identity, the reaction that I got from him, like mm-hmm. from his eyes, it changed completely, you know, like his expression became so scary and very threatening. Mm-hmm. And I did really feared for my safety. Mm-hmm. And then in one like flash, I just saw him like he grabbed this bottle of wine that we bought. And I was really sure that he was going to smash it over me. Mm-hmm. So in panic, I ran to the kitchen area because this hotel room is quite big. So it's mm-hmm. a kitchen area. So I ran into the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. And then I heard from the kitchen area, I heard him trashing the bedroom like in so much rage, all these sounds, crazy sounds, mm-hmm. and there's so much anger. So I was really scared and shaken. I, I don't even know how I managed to escape mm-hmm. and get out of my hotel room and run to the lobby for help. And thankfully, it was still daytime because we it was we were partying after hours and it mm-hmm. was, you know, like it continued. It was just still daytime. And there were people around who could help me from the lobby. And then when we checked the room, he was already gone. Mm-hmm. And that night, I really thought could have been one of my last. And it was definitely oh, a wake-up yeah. call to the harsh reality of the, mm-hmm. the world we live in. That it's really, there's so much hate and fear that can lead into really unspeakable acts of violence. But it was also, I thought it was also a reminder of my strength and my resilience. Mm-hmm. By the way, I share this not also to, to scare our listeners, but rather to inspire them and understand what we trans women go yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because our stories and your stories, so like, there are as many like transgender women still get mm-hmm. killed. Every year, there's still hundreds of women. So it's a tragic experience that I would wish on anyone and, of course, are any of our trans sisters. But I share this to remind that even in our darkest moments, Mm -hmm. we can always still find the strength and the hope. And it's also a reminder of how far we still have to go in terms of all this acceptance and understanding, the transphobia Mm -hmm. and all this discrimination that's just really very dangerous, especially like, again, what's happening now there in the U.S. that we can, mm-hmm. you know, fight against them and sharing all this and standing up for what's right for us. So, yeah, I thought, like, that's one of those stories that happened to me that could have been my last. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to share that. Oh, thank you for sharing. It's I can't imagine that would have been a really... You are a survivor because that is not... You cannot survive from those situations. A lot of folks have got murdered in those situations. Yeah, you're right. You know, when they when our identity threatens their sexuality mm-hmm. or their identity, it kinda they get angry. I don't know why. And um, but yeah, it, it is really hard to navigate those spaces and I'm glad you're alive today to tell your story because we need to educate younger generation when they so that they won't make such mistakes. Um, in 2021 was the worst. I think it was around 50 trans folks were murdered. In the in the U.S.? In the U.S., 50, 5 mm, A lot, um, yeah. Trans and gender expansive uh, community, you know, a lot of them are murdered. So it is a very dangerous world out there uh, where we need to be so careful. Uh, I've had friends in India who, one of my friends told me that there was a, her friend was, again, trigger warning for some of you, uh, was um, an engineer and she was trans and she was raped and burnt, uh, which oh was so hard. And I couldn't hear it because I was just heartbroken hearing these. And this was uh, just a couple of years back before COVID. 
Oh my God! So sorry to hear that. Yeah, really sorry to hear that. And um, yeah, again, this this stories are very important. And um, I love that you also shared your story during the Transgender Day of Remembrance. And I also mm-hmm. did that for my podcast too, commemorating all these trans women. I had closest friends who also um, passed away, and we didn't know what's the reason. And mm-hmm. commemorating our sisters in the community, I think, is so important. And to you know, just to raise awareness for people, and I also want to tell you, um, Celia, that the the reason why I live here in Japan for twenty eight years is because I didn't even have to think of one minute or one second of my life for my safety. That's mm-hmm. how safe Japan is for me. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was growing up, I really thought that living in America could be like my American dream, mm-hmm. or maybe in my own country in the Philippines, I thought like I can live life but realizing all this situations that happened even in my own country and in, in the u.s i really thought that to have the privilege of living here in japan and not thinking about your safety is so important yeah yeah absolutely any country we don't know what could happen because uh, it's all about the people that we come across in our lives and we just have to make sure that we are uh, extra cognizant about our safety and also when you are in the workplace, <laughs> mm. the interesting conversation we can have where you feel that you're psychologically safe or not. Mm. So mm. I do talk mm. about physical safety and also psychological safety, whether you mm. feel that you're absolutely in a place where someone is going to out you or say things mm. uh, about your past gender. Because mm. I've been in situations mm. like that. But it's it's interesting to you know hear these stories, though. I wanted to talk about a little bit about what the work that you do because you do so many incredible things. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit more about your involvement with this organization, like for example, the Trans Can Work mm-hmm. and the Stonewall D- Democrats of Ontario County? How does organizations work to promote economic empowerment and civil rights for ma- marginalized Absolutely. communities? So I um, I came out as uh, Celia in my workplace in 2017, and I started looking for a job as Celia. Unfortunately, in U.S., companies are not willing to hire you at a senior level. I was a senior director moving to a VP-level role in some of the Fortune 100 companies. But when I came out as Celia, my equity kind of dropped, so my salary dropped by 40%. And uh, the roles that I was given was very much like a receptionist or case processing manager where I have done case processing businesses and across the world. And I'm a management consultant. I do a lot of work with healthcare and life sciences. And I was a client partner for the Fortune 100 companies. In the last company that I was working, I was three levels below the CEO uh, to the point of, uh, you know, controlling the R&D for North America. But what happens is when you come out, your equity, and as I mentioned earlier, your value goes down. Uh, You're the same person, but they now look at you as a woman, as an immigrant, as a trans person, and they start doubting your capability of whether you can deliver what you're supposed to be delivering, which you used to deliver as when I was Daniels. That made me doubt myself as to, am I really capable of working as Celia and these companies? So I didn't get a job for almost a year. Companies didn't want to hire me. I was struggling at that point. And I started applying and um, in, in different companies. And I even changed my resume back to Daniel's at one point just to see how things are. You know, I was so desperate for a job. And I applied and I got three interviews in one month when I changed my resume. Because now your resume has a very different flow to it. Because you're a brown man, successful business partner for companies. And people want to hire men than women. And especially trans, no way. <laughs> I didn't join those companies, of course. Um, but I started thinking about, you know, starting my own company. So I started my own company in 2018. And I started consulting with these companies. And in my job search, I came across organizations like Trans Can Work, where they were trying to help trans folks get a job in the workplace. Since I had gone through that experience, and I felt like I could be contributing, and I started helping this organization. I was volunteering for some time and uh, I'm in the executive board for TransCan Work. And also I'm a political activist. If you want to create a change in a community, you want to go to the highest level to create that change. 
And to me, those changes come at a place where you make decisions like bills and legislature where it's being passed. So I became politically active, politically active in the sense that I fight for human rights. So I remember in 2015, when I came out in the community, I said, this is my story. I'm a trans person, blah, blah, blah. They looked at it and I got a lot of negative comments from people in the community because they said, hey, you are a man in a dress who needs medical help. Now, I was so upset. I looked at the newspaper articles and I was my heart broken because I was thinking, why are people treating me like this? I remember at a point where I felt like being trans, what am I really doing? And the trans community that I was working with or I was part of, uh, this is not trans can work in LA. They kept telling me that, Celia, you are not transitioned. Why are you not transitioning? And you need to transition. If you're not transitioning, you're just a cross-dresser. And they just put me in a box. And to me, I felt very hurt because I was the only Asian person in those communities. You know, you had Filipino group of women here and then you had black and Latina women. And I was always the odd person out and I didn't have any community, even the Caucasian community. I had none of them. They all had their own cliques. So I completely shut off the trans life and I went to the cisgender community. So I used to go as a trans person to meetings for immigration rights, so healthcare rights, gun violence, children and women's rights. I was standing there fighting for their rights. When the cis people saw that, they were like, oh my God, Celia, your life is such an example for, you know, you're able to do this as an ally. And I said, I care about human rights more than trans rights. So that made me feel like helping the trans community and they don't seem like, you know, I was not getting the right kind of support or even the acknowledgement from the community, but I felt like able to help the other communities. And that's when I started moving into these organizations and starting going to the police stations and talking to the police department, the chiefs, and telling them about trans folks. I went to the healthcare industries, doctors, nurses office, started talking to them. Even Seattle School of Nursing, I've done a lot of trainings for the nurses there. Started speaking up and educating the corporate world. And that's why I am a part of the DNI champion. And I started speaking up. A lot of companies today, you know, they just pink wash. They pink wash so much that they put all this pride flags, but they don't want to hire you because they don't know how to hire you. I was discriminated by two Indian women in, in one of the interview panels and one of my clients. I was doing really well in the interview when they wanted to bring me on board. They felt like, you know, I'm a trans person, a hijra. They didn't see me as a professional. They saw me as a hijra and they had some bias and they made some excuse and I was not brought into that company. So to me, it mattered a lot. And I started speaking up and creating a change. And that was received well by LinkedIn community, by a lot of folks, mm -hmm. the Democratic community. I was, uh, you know, I'm the vice president of Stonewall Democrats uh, within our community here. And I'm doing a anti-trans uh, legislature and bills. And to me, um, fighting for trans rights is my destiny. That's the four, five, fifth point that I was talking about. Uh, my wife asked me, so what do you want to do in your life? And I said, I started my company as a management consulting company, but I also do a lot of work among the trans rights, writing policies, helping with, if you're having a trans person in the workplace, what kind of policies you need to have in place? I started writing that. I wrote policies for healthcare, just putting the whole structure together for trans Latino coalition in LA. So I started doing a lot of things, not because I had enough knowledge, but I had the heart to do it. Mm. And that kind of made me change. And I'm a strategist. I love doing strategy. And I was able to look at organizations and tell them, this is what you need to do. And I don't just talk about trans community. My four, three focus areas are trans, LGBTQ, people with disabilities, and veterans. So I'm part of a lot of healthcare advisory councils also. Um, like the Fordham HIV, I'm, I'm also part of a few other advisory councils for the pharmaceutical companies. I'm also the top 10 LGBTQ voices in US and uh, Canada, which was offered by LinkedIn. It was a good honor and you know, nice to have that, but I want to move it further, you know, and I use those titles as honor to make something good out of those uh, titles, which really mm -hmm. helped me to be more passionate and compassionate. The most interesting conversations I had was with lawyers. This was um, mm -hmm. almost like a team of 20 to 30 lawyers. Uh, and I spoke about compassion beyond compliance for a healthcare company, mm -hmm. where I spoke about how compliance is important, you know, when you're having a product and the pharmaceutical industry, and also you need to have compassion because that's lacking. So I brought in lots of ideas and I shared, and they were so uh, happy to hear, 
you know, the, that nobody ever said those things to them. <laughs> they always think about being compliant, meeting Wall Street expectations and being innovative and digitally transforming things. But here I was talking about being compassionate to your patients. So I think that's where we lose sight of people and we we need to humanize things, not politicize. And that's where I keep talking about it. I constantly uh, educate myself and I'm always willing to learn and have difficult conversations with people. So that's the only way we learn and contribute. Mm-hmm. For, like I really love what you said about, I mean, of course you care about the trans community and the LGBT community, but you really care about human rights, you know, which is so powerful, Celia. And um, again, using your platform to make it as a voice for everyone and to fight for everyone's rights, I think that's just incredible. And by the way, like we met through um, LinkedIn because you, as one of the LinkedIn voices mm-hmm. for the LGBT community, you were highlighted on LinkedIn, which I think is an amazing achievement to be also recognized for the community. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing all your amazing work for, for the community. Oh, thank you for what you're doing to <laughs> providing a platform for the trans voices. Uh, so thank mm-hmm. you for what you're doing, Tiffany. Thank you. Um, so I know that you have so much things going on in your life besides your relationship with your, and I know that it's balanced with, between your wife and your child. Um, with so much advocacy that you're doing, I know that advocacy fatigue happens. How do you take care of yourself? How do you look mm-hmm. after yourself when it turns to advocacy fatigue? Self-care is very important and I have not gone for therapy. It's good to have a therapist. Um, mm. I'm still working on it. So I think uh, that'll be a good way to have a therapist to uh, talk about, you know, what you have. And if you feel the need for a therapist, it's good to have that. I'm more used to taking a break into the nature. Like I go to the beach, I drive to some places um, and I spend some time just sitting there and just soaking it all in, just sitting there and enjoying the nature and uh, that has really helped me a lot. And and also, I, as I mentioned, I am a person of faith. I do pray in the morning and start my day. And I also pray that God give me patience to deal with people whom I don't agree with. <laughs> so um, because that causes microaggressions. You know, a lot of times you feel like, I don't agree with you. I'm going to take you down and you put a dislike on my thing. You wrote a long comment. I'm going to make sure I'm going to bring you down. I have a thousands and thousands of people who hate me, you know, on my face. Mm-hmm. They just walked and said, I don't like any of this. But I'm trying to learn to be more gracious. Like when they go low, you know, you go high. So like what um, Michelle Obama said, to me, it matters a lot as to, you know, how you make them feel. Uh, like even Maya, Maya Angela was talking about, it's not about what you talk, what you say, what you do. It's about how you make them feel. I can disagree with someone, but if I make them feel that, hey, we, we respect each other, we are human beings, I don't agree with you on that, but we can still be friends. And I'm trying to get there. <laughs> I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. easy. So those things really helps you to take a relook at your own life and also makes you feel like, you know, you can control your microaggressions. We cannot let microaggressions control us because every day we have microaggressions as trans people. People misgendering, yeah. saying something, doing something. Um, in, in US, it's really hard because, you know, there was a guy who just walked into my car and he, while I was changing into my gym clothes, he just looked at the mirror for 10 seconds. He kept peering into it and he went back and gave a thumbs up to his wife who was sitting in the car diagonally opposite to me in the parking lot. Now, why he did that is because he had a probably a bet with his wife that this person is trans and he wanted to prove her. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. In California, you can have mm-hmm. such people. They're already there. They're always there. In my own community, just in the next um, city, actually. And to me, that was so hurtful. I shared this during one of the city council meetings to the person, and she was saying that the city council member was saying that, I'm so sorry, Celia, you went through these experiences, and what can we do to make the city safe for you? So we should not be caught into microaggressions. You know, we need to process mm. it. And if someone writes mm. a comment on your post, don't immediately respond. You know, wait for some time. And sometimes you want to wait and then say that I disagree with you. And, mm. you know, express it. Don't leave it blank. Don't just say, you know, I'm just mm. going to leave it there because then the algorithm will take 
their wrong opinion and make it a right opinion. Mm. Person of science, and I know exactly how algorithms work. Really great point. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you want, never close your conversation by just ignoring it. And I did that actually once. And there was a lady who wrote saying that, "Thank you for misleading us." And I was mm. so angry with her. And she posted something from Mount Sinai saying that there are only two genders in this world: it's X Y and X X chromosomes. I wanted to write to her about intersex community, you know, because they they are born with both genitalia, and people just don't mm. don't even think about it. Mm. They think that's only male, female, and you know, male and female. But, but there are people mm. who are born this way too, you know, live along the gender dysphoria and what we're going through as trans folks. But they don't understand, and I just left it. But I felt like I should have replied and um, in a nice way, or saying mm. that I disagree with you. Thank you for bringing your point. I disagree with you. Your information is wrong. Make sure you close the loop. If you don't close the loop, the algorithm that gets the information from the conversations will make their point valid. So you have mm. a lot of false information into the world, and you need to be careful about it. And that's how the algorithm works. The more false information you put about the trans community, and that's what the conservatives are doing today they are putting a lot of false information out there without any proof scientific facts nothing there and the more and more they start doing it the algorithms will read those and make it as a reality and that's mm. what uh, has been happening you know so meditation and processing things mm. and take a walk do the things that you really like and watch a lot of comedy I, this is a recommendation watch mm. comedy mm. that will you need to laugh and laugh it out when you laugh it out yes. it helps you mm-hmm. to release your anger and kind of release mm-hmm. all the you know the, the negative thoughts from your mind if you have any other faith that you are in you know always uh, meditate and uh, make sure that you are able to um, meditate and surround yourself with people uh, who are positive those are things you know i keep my sanity mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think those are really profound. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. And I think a lot of people can use that also. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally um, do like what you said, like meditation helps me a lot too to control the triggers. All this mm-hmm. like, you know, like small things that's happening around. And, and like what you said, every day we get triggers. So um, for me, like I don't get triggered anymore as much as I used to because of the meditation i'm more grounded mm. and i always just look back if i needed a breathe of fresh air i would go out and run and hike or do something and, and to connect with nature so i think mm. yeah those are really profound answers that you just also um said so thank you for sharing that and we can talk forever i think so <laughs> celia <laughs> One thing that I really noticed about you, and also I saw it on your profile, that you're also part of the Toastmasters, which oh, I yeah. am as well. Oh, really? I'm also part of Toastmasters. Yeah, I'm a part of a Tokyo Rainbow Toastmasters. So oh, it's, my a, God. it's a Toastmasters for LGBT community in Japan. I think we're the only one focused on LGBT uh, here in Japan. And the, the community that I belong is also amazing. And you also belong to Toastmasters, which... um area or district are you yeah, the toastmasters we i belong to is called diversity toastmasters and it is for oh, the lgbt as well yeah amazing okay and, how long uh, you've been a toastmaster i've been in toastmaster for almost seven years now and uh, right now i'm the president of the, this toastmasters for this club so i've been a toastmasters for i think three years now so it, it started during covid before doing my podcast i thought like because i want to be a public speaker i wanted to mm. be vocal about and also if I'm going to do the podcast. And I've been also hearing Toastmasters from like public speakers that I've been following. <laughs> mm. And I thought like, how can I be part of that community? And then it just like connected me to this one person. And now I'm a part of it. And I think I'm going to also be a part of the officer um, for the next year. So it's going to be interesting. Oh, nice. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you're seven years. I think you, you can tell by how you speak speak eloquently i don't hear any ums by the way from you <laughs> you're right <laughs> you're absolutely right i i practice a lot i have xerox statements i have some i repeat as i start a sentence and then i make another sentence so i know my limitations and i try as much as possible not to have ums uh in all the uh crutch words mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is when you are slowing down, when you really slow down, it helps you to process and uh, connect you with words. 
I used to speak very fast. Um, I, I see. I used to. Um, now yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so conscious about it. When you start speaking, uh, there is always some amount of um, repetitive, uh, you know, vocal spikes in your language. So for me, it really helps to slow down and communicate. That way, it's helped me to process. And of course, Toastmasters was a big part of it. Yeah, I used to give a lot of business presentations. I want to make sure that I'm able to present correctly, so you can practice also in Toastmasters, which really helps you to prepare for. Yes, that really helps, Tiffany. I think for me that gave me a lot of confidence. It's just mm. it helped me slow down. You know, first thing is slowing it down, and then words started coming slowly. Mm. That's a really good point because I also I'm also used to be like a really fast speaker but yeah. we don't know that you know we don't know that and and you will notice it once great. they give you great, great you know great evaluation right and and then that's where you see like oh yeah i do this often i do that i do this and what i love about toastmasters especially in my community and also i think it's going to be probably the same as yours is the fact that it's um, LGBT um, community mm-hmm. and allies it is a safe space you know like to share your right. story and and not be judged again like when you practice for example when you need it to present this you know speaking um gigs mm-hmm. it's a really great practice for you too you know and then have like feedbacks from the community too mm-hmm. and yeah it always it's very valuable and i found it really valuable for me too so thank you for yeah, sharing i really love it and it's been very helpful Mm. Again, like it can, it can tell the way you, yeah, the way you spoke. You, you spoke <laughs> eloquently every time, and I thought, like, okay, Toastmaster, that's so Toastmaster. <laughs> yes, Toastmaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, a few more questions before we wrap up sure, the show. Sure. I always ask my guests, especially influential guests like you, is based from the conversations we had today, and amongst your amazing, I know you have amazing connection. Who do you think I should interview next? I would suggest my friend uh, Kalki Subramaniam. She's a trans activist in India and also in South Asia. She has fought for the the trans rights at, at the parliament level. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a great friend of mine. She's a sister. She has uh, come and stayed with us in LA. I really uh, admire the work she's doing. She's an artist. She's a poet. She's written books. She's acted in movies. See that I'm part of Sahodri Foundation. So uh, Sahodri mm-hmm. Foundation is uh, Kalki's organization. So mm-hmm. I'm a volunteer for the organization. I try to help them whenever I can. Even this time when I was in India, I went and met uh, the trans community in India, which mm-hmm. was very helpful for me to see where they stand and how to help them. What are the needs and how can I be mm-hmm. more supportive? So I work through Kalki, but she's a. I would oh. definitely recommend her. Thank you so much. I would love to meet her. I would love to meet uh, your friend. And um, yeah, I'm hoping that we can have her on the show and hear more about. You know what? Interesting, because I've been getting a lot of connections from India and also mm-hmm. activists from from different parts of the globe, but they're also from India. So it's been mm-hmm. very interesting. And I just really admire people like you giving back to the community, even though you don't live in India anymore. I think those are very important um, to support them because same for my country, the Philippines, the poverty, you know, like they don't have that privilege of what privilege that we having. So giving back and helping them and what we can do, like even just little things, I think it really matters to them and it's so important for them. Absolutely. Now I have a lot of other friends in different parts of the world. Mm. One friend of mine who's um, started the International Gay Boxing Federation. His name is Martin Stark. So there are different uh, folks from you know different parts of the world that I'm in touch with. If you need to talk to them, I would definitely uh, do that. But the most important person in India is Kalki. Like she's the most right. uh, prominent trans person who's been around for many, many, almost a couple of decades. Mm. Her story is very powerful, very empowering. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely doing a lot of work for the community. Thank you for that. Another question. It's a fun question I would love to ask you. And I know because yeah. you also do music, I do DJ and that's one of my careers mm. in Japan. Yeah, and um, oh, wow. if I'm going to ask you, what, just if you request me one song, to play for you, what song it will be and why? One song, uh, I think the song that I would love is um, some Pitbull songs. 
it's only because of the dance part of it. Uh, whenever I love dancing, I was uh, recently there at a Pitbull concert. Um, I like okay. the Tonight song. That's one of my favorite songs for Pitbull because uh, it also brings back memories where three of us as friends, um, mm, you know, mm, friends, we mm. went out uh, on a Tuesday night and mm. we were roaming the streets of LA and I made a video out of it with the Pitbull <laughs> song in the background and it made such a lot of sense because they were visiting. It was such a lot of fun. I love that song and it always mm. makes me dance. And I was dancing actually the whole time. In the in the mm. pub and the bars, <laughs> I love that yeah. song to great big. I love that. Um, but let me let me also just say to our listeners that you are an amazing composer and uh, music artist. I listened to one of your songs about transgender, and I think that was really powerful. Mm. It was. Uh, I I'm a songwriter as well. I've written some songs on Black Lives Matters as well. I've not uh, yet come out with that song and still working on the uh, arrangements mm-hmm. but the song that you heard was more about the trans murders in across the world mm-hmm. so i sang that song in both voices actually if you heard that song i sang as celia and i also sang uh, in my uh, birth gender voice right so, yeah i thought it was just two 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 people yeah. <laughs> one of my friend was telling me uh, I was not planning to sing at all. Number one, I'm not a great mm-hmm. singer. I can sing as Daniels, but not as Celia because it's really hard for me to do that. But they listened to the whole song and they saw my playing and everything when I played that song for them. Uh, they liked my finger style. I'm more like the Stabby to Heaven kind of style. I had those uh, cards that I was playing. This person who's a uh, one of the he watched me and said, "You're playing beautifully, and why don't you sing?" I said, "No, I, I'm not supposed. I don't want to sing. I want someone else to sing. Do you have any friends of yours who can sing?" And I wanted the trans community or LGBTQ community to sing, like a queer person. And they said, "No, the person better than you. You should sing." So I sang that song, and I said, and then they also told me, "Why don't you harmonize with your own voice?" And I said, "I can't harmonize. It's in a different range." And they said, "Oh no, you harmonize is Daniel." They didn't see agenda at all. They was they were more interested in getting the song out and uh, quality. So I said, okay, I'll do it, and I did that. And when I put all the video together, it was very powerful for me because mm-hmm. I cry every time I see that video. It's such mm-hmm. a powerful story, actually. It more is, than a it song, is. it's a story of how trans folks are struggling across the world to mm-hmm. just be ourselves. If you actually see the video, you see a lot of trans folks across the world are being portrayed. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, I love music. That's my pastime. I've written more than forty songs, um, and wow. a lot mm-hmm. of them. And I keep working mm-hmm. on it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, one of my pastimes also mm-hmm. to keep myself, you know, mm-hmm. self care. I just take the guitar mm-hmm. and pluck, keep plucking it. Like your uh, healing, healing moments. <laughs> yeah, and, and also listening to really Enya kind of songs, you know, like slow mm-hmm. pop, dream pops, mm-hmm. right? right very right. slow and subtle. So I love listening to music, which kind of kept me uh, going. But yeah, of course, I am so happy to hear you're a DJ. Oh my god, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I love music, and that, that's how I thought. Like, I can make music, but uh, I love playing music, and I love making people. DJ happy is a music. lot of work. Yeah, you need to have the music sense to get those rhythms in there. Yeah, you're really great. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna link that video that you made i thought i thought i really thought that that was very powerful the message that for that video uh, and that song that you made for the transgender community i think was really really amazing so we'll link that on our podcast show notes too later on but this final um question probably i want to give you before we close the show Mm -hmm. it might be like a trigger again for the listeners but when it comes to suicidal like Mm -hmm. what's your message or hope or encouragement for those who may be struggling with this um, behavior or thoughts? I think just going back to the day I was, uh, again, trigger warning for some of you, um, I don't want to really describe how I tried committing suicide because it's it's very graphic. Uh, when I felt the nylon rope around my neck and my hands tied behind my back, I didn't want to escape. There were times when I, I couldn't untie myself and I was choking. Um, my oxygen was releasing my lungs and there's always hope when you are in the verge of almost losing yourself never ever get to that point of thinking that there's no hope for you 
I was in that point and I felt like I don't want to live. I never thought I would have a family. I would never marry. Nobody would marry me. That's what I thought. At that moment, whatever hit me is always a dark place. When you get to the dark place in life and you feel alone, just call somebody. Try to see what you can do to get out of that space. But don't put yourself in that space because when you get into that gravity, the magnetic attraction, the field, it's very hard to come out of it. Because when you are in that zone, it's very hard to come out. So don't get into that zone in that first place. There's no point in feeling that you are worthless. In spite of the most worthless shame that I was going through, I felt like there's always hope. You're valuable as a person. Your existence is you know, such an enlightening thing for people. And your life story can enlighten so many people. I never thought my story would increase thousands of viewers across the world. I have a lot of people from India, from a, even in US, they have called me and said, Celia, you're such an inspiration. When I hear that now and I see that little child that was trying to kill myself, I felt like, thank God I didn't do it. And that's what is so important, that there is always hope. Even in the worst of the situation that you're going through, you will come out of it. I started calling some of my friends who I know that they're lonely. And I always tell them that if you feel suicidal, just call me. Mm. I remember there was a friend of mine. She was going through a very difficult time. I didn't know that at all. I remember talking to her one day and uh, she was talking to me. She kept the phone down and she called me. And, and the next time when I called her, she said, Celia, the last time you called me, I was sitting with my gun loaded on the table. That hit me hard. Mm. I mean, now she's she's a CTO of a company. She's her own company. She's remarried. She was going through a lot of divorce and children, a tough time in her life. But sometimes you never know that the call that you're making to your friends or anyone, it can save lives. Mm. So don't think that you're worthless because you're put on this planet to help a person like you. If you're trans, part of the LGBTQ community, you have a purpose. You may not know now, but you will know later. And you will call Tiffany, you will call me, and you will thank us for this advice. I can guarantee that person is now doing really well. And she tells me, and every time I hear that, I get goosebumps. They're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. It's not that she stopped, but there is some distraction that I created that did not let, I mean, that encouraged her not to take her life. So there are times when you never know how you can be useful to people. So I think, uh, you know, just a long story short, never undermine who you are mm. at work, mm. the community, in your family. If the entire tide is against you, if the entire million people are against you, stand up for what is right. And that is why trans people are so resilient. I've heard a lot of time from cis people saying that my child is trans and I'm proud of them because even though the entire school is against them they are able to just stand up and say i want to do this they tell me mm. dad i want i'm a trans person and i want to live my life that way and that's the perseverance mm. that we have so it's amazing it's amazing why we are put this way and why we are made this way this is not a lifestyle choice i want to tell all of us that this is our life you don't choose mm. to be trans but you are trans you're born as trans person so mm. Your life is valuable, uh, and I want to encourage all of you. If you're going through tough times, you know, look at the ray of hope. Always sun sets and then the sun rises in the morning. Find a place where you can go quieten and then release. And uh, I gave some pointers. Just go do that. You know, if you like something, ice cream, go eat it. Take a carton full of ice cream. Do things that you really love and try to keep yourself distracted. Mm -hmm. You might feel lonely, but mm -hmm. that's the important thing. As trans folks, mm -hmm. that's one thing we go through loneliness very much thank you so much for that incredible advice again powerful and um celia <laughs> your authenticity your powerful stories today that you shared with us your all your wisdoms your message of hope perseverance and the importance of inclusion is one that we can all learn from and we are really grateful for your time and insight today and we look forward to seeing the incredible impact you continue to make. You are an incredible inspiration to everyone. And once again, thank you 
for joining us on the show and sharing your inspiring stories and insights. We are grateful for your contributions to making the world a more inclusive and welcoming place for everyone. Any final words from you, Celia? No, thank you so much, Tiffany, for doing what you're doing because it's uh, creating an, an environment for people to hear these stories. This is an amazing thing that you're doing. And I'm so happy to be a part of your podcast and your show. Audiences are listening to the stories. They are feeling encouraged. They may have a lot of questions and uh, they can definitely reach out to you. They can reach out to me, can have details so they can stay in touch because this is not the end. of. <laughs> you can always stay in touch. And the podcasts are actually the beginning of a good relationship and a good platform for us too. But thank you for creating that platform. I never knew about you and I'm such a wonderful person, such a beautiful person you are both at heart, inside out, and I'm so honored to be part of your show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Celia. I really appreciate that. And we would love to have you again. We never even touched uh, your amazing <laughs> bio. There's so much to, you know, like to talk about, but we didn't even cover it today. But we would love to have you again and have conversations because I think all our stories are very important. And I think you will give more valuable stories and um, important topics to discuss next time. Thank you, Tiffany. Appreciate it. Um, we will make sure we'll link in all the information of Celia, who would love to reach out and know more about her amazing work and also her music. Um, show your love and support and um, support um, Celia's amazing, fantastic work. Thank you, Celia. Thank you, Tiffany. Take care. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. If you reach up until this last minute of the show, I am extremely grateful for you for tuning in the whole entire episode. If you enjoyed our episode today, please share it to your friends. You can copy and paste the link wherever you are listening to right now. Text your friend, share on your Instagram stories or your Facebook page. Tag me on your social media when you post it. I'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts on the interview that I had today. And if it's your first time here once again, please do me a favor to subscribe on the podcast. Leave us a review. In every review, it makes me so happy. So I'm looking forward to your ratings and review on Apple Podcasts. You can impact someone's life right now by just sharing our episode today. I hope you enjoyed this episode today as much as I do. And I hope you know how much you matter, how much I appreciate your time for listening, how much I love you and appreciate you. I am truly grateful for your kindness and your support. And as I always say, sprinkle kindness wherever you go. I love you and stay safe and healthy. Join us again next Tuesday for the Breakfast with Tiffany show with Tiffany Rossdale.